Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Host of Big 12 Watch, Josh Neighbors with us. And Josh, thank you for, you were one of many texts that I got, uh, but you were one of the first ones that I got (laughs) uh, on Sunday, um, you know, trying to give me a little bit of comfort from, you know, the most painful sports day of my life. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, we'll just start right off. Like we're in the postseason now, your thoughts on the CFP and the process. Um, I think we collectively are all happy that the 14 playoff is going away. Probably none more happy than me, but, uh, your thoughts on, on the nonsense that happened this week. Yeah. So uh, thanks for having me on guys. I always like joining you all. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously like, you know, I think the games have to matter. Drum is the one that I'm going to, I'm going to keep beating. And, um, you know, I'm a big believer that like they should be rewarded for winning without their starting quarterback and their, and their backup quarterback. Uh, Louisville really never had a chance in that game. They were terrible the entire time. I mean, the floor, the Florida state defense was awesome and, um, a perfect season in a power conference should be rewarded. Uh, Alabama lost the game. I know that, you know, keeping out, I I don't even know, like, this is an SEC, ACC type deal. Um, I I just, I go back to the article, I think it was Dennis Dodd this week who had the piece. It was like, we just watched them and thought they just couldn't win a championship. And honestly, like, I would give them a decent shot if they had to play Washington in the playoff game. You know, we didn't give TCU a very good shot of winning a championship. And did they know, but at least they won a game and they got their way into a championship game. So, yeah, I mean, the criteria changes year to year, and I guess it's okay like if it's a year-to-year type deal. You know, who is more deserving? What we value is always going to change based off the teams available. But to me, you know, Florida State plays two non-conference games and uh, that are against SEC opponents, wins them both, one handily, and then one they go on the road. And I know Florida's not great, but they still did. And I asked myself all year, like, if this is an SEC deal, uh, what was the SEC's best non-conference win? Right? Was it Missouri beating K State the last second via field goal? Was it Kentucky over Louisville? I mean, the SEC was not some over overwhelming superpower uh, out of conference, especially this year. And so I think Alabama did a really good job of rebounding after the loss to Texas and kind of call, you know coming together as a team this year. But and you still look like Alabama did lose by by double digits at home against Texas this year. That game did happen. I know it happened in September or whatever, but to me, to be like, well, the SEC champion has to get in, uh, I think it was almost like they they kind of willed them in. And also, I think they also paired that up with the idea of, well, FSU just can't win a championship, which, look, man, Washington was a 10-point dog last week, and they won the game outright. Never, you know, they really, uh, the second half rally, you know, Oregon comes ahead, then Washington puts their foot down, basically. So, you know, I, I think that's why it's like, hey, we, we can prognosticate all we want. That's part of their job, but also resume has to matter. And I know some folks are saying, oh, you're not what your resume says you are. And the end of me, I think, you know, that's, that's the best indication we have. Like, all we really have is what you've done this year. And FSU 
didn't lose. So, tough. Josh, the Big 12 had one job. Don't let Oklahoma or Texas win the title. And sure enough, Texas goes and beats up Oklahoma State last week. It's crazy because with all the playoff drama, the games sort of just get lost from last weekend in, in some ways uh, in, the, in the bigger conversation. What were your thoughts on the Longhorns and how they took care of business against the Cowboys? And, man, they got a pretty favorable draw travel-wise, um, you know, matchup-wise. I, I think that they look pretty good in this playoff system. But uh, what do you think about the Big 12 champs? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because it's, it's yes, you're, you're right, Craig. It's like the final season of, you know, the final season of the Big 12. They, you don't want Texas and Oklahoma to win it. But to me, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because in the last four Big 12 championship games, we have had seven different teams. And the last four seasons, you know, dating back to 2020, we have had four separate Big 12 champions. And so, you know, I think the part about this is, like, that's actually been the calling card of this league is the parity in it, right? And, And even so much, you know, the parity to the point where Look at the performance of teams that go to the Big 12 championship. The follow-up season for a lot of them has been underwhelming, right? Iowa State's 2021 was underwhelming. Baylor and Oklahoma State both had a really underwhelming 2022 campaigns. TCU with a massively underwhelming 2023 campaign this year. And, uh, you know, I think K-State's was, like, pretty decent, to be honest. You know, there's like kind of plotting eight and four, which is kind of the way, uh, you know, uh, K-State football has been. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like, it kind of makes sense that it was Texas time. Here is what I will say. If if you take every team that was in a Big 12 championship game in the last four seasons and you put them head-to-head against this Texas team on a neutral field, I feel pretty confident that this Texas team would be favored in all those games. And not only that, I feel pretty confident that they would win the game. Uh, TCU last year may be a bit of an outlier, right? I think that TCU team could exploit some of the stuff that Texas does not do very well in terms of coverage. But, yeah, I mean, this Texas team is is like they are the last two weeks. They have been an absolute hammer. I mean, they, they have not played a competitive second half of football in, in the last three weeks or so. Uh, and I've been really impressed about that and that performance. So I think – there's two ways to look at it. Number one, this league has always had turnover. So in that sense, I wish the national storyline too would be more about that, but it's never going to be. It's always going to be about Texas in the last year getting the job done. And it should be because I actually do think this team is a national championship contender because of how good they've looked. We know their obvious weakness, but man, Steve Sarkeesian has just done a great job designing the offense and, and getting the playmakers the ball, even without, even as their playmakers have gone out. Quinn Ewers and obviously Jonathan Brooks, they've continued to impress me. Honestly, they've actually gotten a little bit better since losing Jonathan Brooks about the, you know, the, the, the totality of the offense. So uh, you mentioned um, Washington earlier and how Florida State would maybe match up best with them uh, in the playoff. I actually think it's also maybe Michigan too uh, because they don't have a high-flying offense. But, um, but Texas and Washington, this is, I mean, this thing could get wild, and they both have pretty good defenses, but I kind of think that Texas and Washington could wind up like the Oregon-Washington games. Am I wrong here? Yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I'd love to know what you all think about this, too. I think Washington's the team that that Texas would least like to play. I, I think that's actually a play. Offense versus defense. So Texas offense against Washington's defense, like, sure, that's probably the defense you want to face the most. But if there is one team in the playoff 
that's most equipped to beat Texas, it's actually Washington because of the weapons they have and because of their offense. And I, you know, like here's the thing is, I think Washington's going to live in a lot of second and long, third and long situations because I don't know how much of a successful running the football they're going to do because, guys, when's the last time we saw a team successfully run the rock? And, like, Texas Tech did some, but also didn't mean anything. Did any of Texas Tech's rushing yards mean actually anything in that game? No, they no. didn't. Yeah. So, so I actually think that's that's what makes it interesting because if you said, hey, Texas take on Bama, well, Bama looks a lot better, but guess what? This Texas team would be like, sure, yeah, we'll, we'll play them again neutral field. What do we do in their own stadium? We beat them by 10. So, uh, you know, I, I think we like our chances to be lining them up again. Uh, and look, they might lose that game, but, like, why shouldn't they be confident about that? And then also, too, for Michigan, you know, the Michigan offense, guys, leaves a lot to be desired. So maybe maybe Michigan's defense gets some stops, but, like, how many points do you think Texas needs to win that game? I think Sark is like, you know, if I get 27, do we win? So I think there's a pretty good chance we win. And we get like 27, you know, 28 points in that game. And I, I Look, if there's a certain point number, I usually think we like Texas' chance to reach that point number. So this matchup is really interesting because, hey, Penix and Adunze and uh, Polk, I mean, they've, they've got a bunch of guys across the board that can hurt you on offense. And I think the big question is, like, will Washington be able to run the ball all effectively? And will it really matter? Like, I don't think they want to throw the ball 60 times in the game. But, hey, if they have to, they can they have a full month prepared too. So I'm, I'm pretty fired up. Like, I, I, yeah, this thing, can, it, can this thing definitely get wild? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This thing can get pointsy. Josh, uh, some other news going on around just the league in college football. The carousel kind of grinding to a halt. We just saw Tulane fill, but now Troy's open, obviously. But uh, your thoughts on the big decision down in H-Town with Willie Fritz uh, making the move over mm-hmm. from Tulane to now be the, the man in charge of the Cougars. Got a big background in Texas, obviously. But uh, what did you think of that hire from, uh, from H-Town? Well, I, I think when we look at what has is, what is worked for Big 12 schools in terms of hiring, right? And let's look at some of the, a couple of the most recent hires. How has the hire worked out for Kansas State with Chris Kleiman? I would say it's worked out pretty well. How has the hire worked out at Kansas for Lance Leipold? I'd say it's worked out pretty well. Those are guys who I believe when they were hired all in their 50s, right? Willie Fritz is 60. And if you look at their track records, they have won at every single stop on their head coaching resume. And sometimes, like, when you hire a guy, that's kind of just what you want. And I know, you know, Willie Fritz, uh, you know, showing that energy at the press conference, I love it. I, I don't think it's necessarily, like, that's not really what he brings to the table, though. You know, you're talking about a, a, a craftsman, a guy who's done a really good job of cultivating rosters, cultivating teams, developing players, developing talent. Um, and I think that model works. And I think Houston football, that's what they need. They, like, their effort this year, it was so inconsistent at Houston. That Texas game, man, they showed they were really impressive with the amount of the, just how they showed up, right? And and that run there, I mean, Texas had no answers for answer for them for a large large portion of that game and almost lost the game. And uh, the UTSA game, you know, that, that's the first game of the season, man, that was impressive. But they were always they had that Rice game complete debacle. Uh, they got boat raised by Kansas State, which you could probably see coming a mile away. Right, that's their problem. That is how up and down they were. And I think Willie Fritz adds a level of stability 
And also, he reminds me of the other coaching hires in this league recently that have brought some stability and success. And we even want to say, hey, Gus Malzahn at UCF. Sure, because, I mean, guys, there's only one team out of the new four that made a bowl game, and that was UCF. So I would even say that, that that's been a good hire for them so far. Yeah, I think kind of the elder statesman is a good move for these schools, and I expect it to be a good move for Houston. I'm not saying it guarantees a conference title or anything, but I think a bit more consistent winning they were doing. It won't be as much of a up-and-down situation. They're going to have a bit more of a plateau steady or a win-loss record each year. Your thoughts on uh, kind of the early returns of the transfer portal and some of those guys that are out there. Look, Baylor's probably going to need a quarterback. Cincinnati uh, got a quarterback already. Um, you know, there, there's going to be some some movement. Uh, Texas is going to be very portal heavy. Of course, they're leaving, so it didn't really matter in, in terms of the Big 12. But uh, anything really shock you uh, early on or guys that uh, interest you in the transfer portal? Yes. Yeah, so, um, well, I, I think this one's interesting, guys. And I, I, I talked about this last week, and I, I'm not sure we're talking about it enough. You know, I'm not sure we talked about it with you guys, but the last two Big 12 championship winning quarterbacks in the portal still is like pretty crazy thing, right? Uh-huh. Well, at least it obviously predates last week. Um, you know, Quinn Ewers now is still in Texas, so we have to give him that. But like, that's really interesting. Is I mean, Blake Shape and, and the situations are obviously very different. Um, you all better read the shape and thing. I know they're talking to him, trying to get him back. I don't really know where we are at that point. That feels like it's probably not going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's continuing on. It's just I, I asked Grayson a little while. It's like, at what point do they just I, – I think it's just going to come to a point where either Blake Shapin commits somewhere else or Baylor gets a quarterback, and that just answers the question itself. You know, that, that seems like kind of where we are right now. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's looking like it's probably the end of the road. Uh, I'd say 60-40 end of the road. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe it should be. Like, I think um, I think for Will Howard too. You know, that was a point where they've got what three more years of Avery Johnson's eligibility, yeah. and I think um, you know, I think for them now losing Colin Klein's a huge loss, obviously. But those are guys like we talked about. Those, you know, those coaches second ago, they're good coaches. They're kind of that's kind of the expectation. Like, I think at some point Leipold and Klein would expect to lose coordinators. You know why? Because they're going to have good coordinators with the way their teams are coached. So uh, I, I don't think there's much of a secret at K-State what they want to do with their quarterback. So I, I think it's um, like the good news for K-State is you lost a guy who I think is pretty good, and he's going to go somewhere where I think it's going to be more of a passing offense, right? Uh, and then obviously, um, uh, you know, we're seeing a situation uh, happen at, at Baylor where I think Spottle comes in and they're probably looking for a new quarterback. I just saw one that came across in terms of quarterbacks that was really interesting to me. That was uh, Curtis Rourke, who I like a lot. Yeah, taking visits to Indiana and Wake Forest. You know, I, guys, I watch a lot of action. Uh, I love to bet on those Tuesday night games. Curtis Rourke is like really good and has been really good for a while. And that is a guy that I think some upper level power fives would just love to have a guy who's competent and good like a Curtis work and has played a lot of football and has seen a lot of things. And so I'm surprised that places like Wake Forest and Indiana would be the next stop for a guy who I think could play a lot, you know, no disrespect to those programs, other, other places. I know I saw the JMU quarterback too. You know, is he going to follow Kurt Signetti there? It's interesting, but yeah, I mean, the quarterback movement is obviously the, the biggest question here for a lot of it. And, uh, you know, I'm curious about, Oklahoma State, like, what does their quarterback situation look like next year? 
uh, Donovan Smith at Houston. You know, is he going to is he enter the portal? Uh, what's UCF going to do? Right? There's some there's some really good coaches who are have some decisions to make on quarterbacks next year in the Big Twelve, and we'll see if it's guys who are on the roster, guys that are recruiting, or if it's guys that show up in the portal. TCU, Josh Uber, like is that the guy? I mean, yeah. you know, we're waiting on KJ Jefferson to reignite with Caleb Riles. What's going to happen there? There was somebody, golly, and I've I've lost it, that it was visiting UCF that would have been like an excellent fit for them. Oh, Grayson McCall. Grayson McCall. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah that'd be awesome. Yeah. Oh, my God. Could you imagine that? That's that's fantastic. That's a, that's a match made in heaven, right? I mean, you see so much of what the, you know, I know that the offense this year, I think, changed a little bit for, for Coastal. But if you look at the offense that they ran, I mean, it was basically shotgun triple option. They were running a whole lot of when Jamie Chadwell was there. I think it'd be really interesting to see that Gus Malzahn's offense is just so motion heavy, right, and so reliant on on movement and you know different guys at different places and stuff. I think McCall would be a pretty natural fit in that offense. So uh, I I love to hear about that move, and I think that'd be an excellent fit if that does happen. So Josh, uh, big news there with Kansas coaching staff losing OC Andy Kotelnicki uh, to Penn mm-hmm. State, a great hire for the Nittany Lions, but. They go and hire Jeff Grimes from Baylor, and I saw a lot of confusion on Kansas fans' parts about, well, didn't Baylor kind of suck on offense? It's like, yeah, but that was also personnel, bad O-line, things like that. Kansas already has plenty of familiarity with the wide zone, so he's stepping into a situation where he's a a self-proclaimed master of the wide zone himself. I think it's a, a hire that makes a ton of sense. What do you think about Grimes to KU? I'm with you because if you think about what they're trying to do there, like Jaden Daniels, Jalen Daniels is coming back, right? So... What they're trying to do right now at Kansas is excuse me, stack winning seasons, right? And I think a move like this is a like Koto Nicky's creativity was the huge was was his biggest asset. And I I, I forget the guy's name, the quarterback coach uh, starts last name starts with the same his name, but he's staying on as co OC, I believe, or at least the bowl game, right? And so you're hoping like some of the lower level guys and staff might bring the ideas. I think Grimes kind of brings that steady-handed, the you know, the wide zone stuff. Like, like a lot of that stuff's going to be the foundation of our offense, and people know that. And so, just keeping kind of keeping on the tracks, keeping everything going, maintain a lot of those ideas you had last year. Throw that stuff in; it's on tape, so it's not like you got you know you're like you're going to forget it happens because just because like he's gone. Now the new ideas are what you're missing out on here, ostensibly, right? But um. Yeah, I, I just like the kind of uh, the idea for Kansas football of trying to keep the train on the tracks because this is what program development looks like. The fact that they went from what was it this first season, two or three wins mm-hmm. to six mm-hmm. to eight. I yeah. mean, look, there's gonna be some regression at some point, but like if they win another six and seven next year, especially if Daniels is not able to be quarterback the entire season. That's going to be another really impressive thing. I mean, they just keep stacking winning seasons. That's what Kansas football wants to do because that, that means that you're building a program. You're building something that can hopefully last there at Kansas. And I think Jeff Grimes is a step in helping them get there. It's not going to be the sexiest hire. It's not some young innovative hire. It's like, let's just keep this thing where it's at because where it's at is not where it's actually been in the past, right? It's not about elevating. It's about let's get to a level we can sustain. Absolutely. Josh, thanks so much, man. Always love talking to you. Josh Neighbors, Big 12 Watch, Crystal Ball College Football. Please go like and subscribe uh, to uh, that uh, channel and watch him uh, every day when he does this show. So 
And Josh, yeah. thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting stuff to get to here in the offseason, Craig, that uh, that doesn't involve lawsuits. So, Yeah, I actually like talking about uh, some of this other stuff a bit more. And so, yeah. yeah, it's fun to talk about coaching changes and the transfer portal. I don't love every aspect of that either. Um, kind of like I've said before when it comes to Baylor's roster, I'm not sure I want to make it a habit every offseason of having to check the box on all 85 scholarship guys and whether they're going to return, especially the ones who have been there for all of, like, you know, less than a year at this point. Yeah. I mean, do I really want to see year after year of like the true freshman who played three plays declaring in, on Instagram that he's coming back? Like, I mean, is that not kind of silly? Yeah. You know, so I don't know how much I love the player declaration team wide. I think, though, for Baylor in this specific case, it was absolutely needed. I think as a showing of uh, just, you know, being a team and being. Uh, in lockstep with Dave Aranda as the head coach and their support for him and their belief in the program, I think that was a big deal. But there are there are things like that that I'm like, I don't know if I love this necessarily, but I do love all of the the different moving pieces. And, you know, then you throw realignment into the mix, and there's a lot of noise out there when it comes to that. There's a lot of just, I think, throwing mud at the wall um, in, in certain corners. But I, I did see where, you know, earlier today, Reese Davis was on, I guess, the College Game Day podcast. or No, it's Pete Thamel. Pete Thamel was on the uh, College Game Day podcast and I guess was talking about, you know, potential expansion candidates. And so that got everybody into a tizzy again when it comes to the whole conversation about Florida State and the ACC and what that could look like, you know, uh, moving forward. So, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be another wild offseason in, yeah. in every way, shape, and form. And the carousel's kind of starting to creak down, but we know that Black Sunday is going to come here eventually mm-hmm. with the NFL coaching firings, and that could create a whole new set of, of movements. So, yeah, it's it's a fun time. It's a, it's a stressful time kind of in some ways because everybody's, like, having to worry about everything about the program, you know, every nook and cranny's. Uh, being taken care of and, and looked into and, and trying to be improved and held on to in some cases. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a roller coaster ride, and it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, Garrett, uh, you brought this up during the break. It is um, now confirmed by on – well, no, it's not. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There are a lot of these fake That's what uh, I was wondering. I wasn't sure accounts. if it was real or not. You got to look yeah, deep I know. before you just see a thing at surface level and think, oh, well, that's – yeah, so no. Uh, Pete Thamel reporting. It's like, no, that's Poot Thummel is uh, <laughs> the one actually reporting that, you know? Yeah. No, yeah, that's uh, – no, they – I – I because I, I was trying to – there's a rumor up. going around that Jeff Sims is going to Miami, right? That's what you're getting yeah. at. That's been floating around there on Twitter, and we're trying to figure out if there's any truth to it or not. Because when I first heard he's, that – He's in the portal as of two days ago, so if okay. he had already made that decision – But you, you know. obviously have an interest as an FSU fan because you want to watch Miami burn, and I'm <laughs> just confused because I don't see the appeal uh, really at all for Miami um, after what we saw in, in Lincoln and in Atlanta – uh, but, yeah, I think we're all just kind of puzzled by that potential move and curious to find out if it's true or not. But as you said, there's a lot of false information that flows freely throughout uh, Twitter, so you can't really tell, and you got to make sure that it's confirmed by uh, actual sources. Yeah, so... Um, I'm going to say since you can't find it, it's probably not true right now. I feel like no, that would not. be something that would be pretty clearly known at this point i think when i initially saw it, it was one of those fake twitter accounts that had the on three logo but then yeah the, you got to look and the name yeah. is different there's a lot of those fake yeah. on three accounts now i've yes. noticed that people putting that as their their little uh Thanks avatar yeah yeah right yeah yeah no i um i still follow her i don't know if you remember this uh there was a girl who was an fsu fan that said that 
girls at FSU need to stop hooking up with Florida State football players until they start winning again. Yeah, I remember that. And then after that, they actually started winning. So I'm not saying, but she... Way to go, ladies. But but she... she uh, I got to find her tweet. Uh, it was not something I could say on the air, but it was hilarious about the fake on three accounts. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't like... Yeah, I you know, and you get it, you know, you get one of those, you know, fake Twitter accounts like it, you know, until I, I pulled it up, like I saw it on three. So I just clicked it and then I was like, hey, Garrett. And then I looked and as I was starting to read, I was like, oh, no, it's, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. No, yeah, like, that's that thing. It doesn't make any sense for Miami to go and get Jeff Sims. So, yeah, yeah that, I mean, I know um, they could stand to improve at quarterback, but that's not how you're doing it. <laughs> I mean, he he had a. a a year. He he was at Nebraska. Yeah. That happened. Um, yeah. Besides that, it was not great. But, yeah. He's already been in that conference at Georgia Tech and not won. Like, right. so yeah. bringing him back would, would not make any sense. Like, that's why that rumor is really weird. And I, I wonder uh, who started. Look, not to say that maybe not. Maybe, you know, who knows. But uh, it, who knows where he's going. I mean, it's like, dude, it's yeah. like there's a – on three breaking and the whole the emojis and all that. And it's very clearly just some dude. And it's just, I, I think the worst, absolute worst thing that Twitter did, and I'm not going to call it X. It's just, it's always going to be Twitter. When you started to reward people for just simply making impressions, because now all it is, is just a race to just get eyeballs, no matter what, it doesn't matter how, or what you say, or if it's accurate or whatever, it's just, what and like just showing the view count so that people just obsess over that. If before you just posted stuff, like you posted yeah. news and you enjoyed it and you liked what you liked, you didn't like what you liked. But now I know there are people in our business, especially, that the whole aim is just how can I get as many eyeballs so that Twitter will pay me? And I don't know. It's just made it's made a mess of things. Really, it's made an entire mess of it because now there's no. Now you're incentivized to go and just lie and create as much chaos as possible to get those impressions, and I just think that's a that's a really bad thing in general for the the platform. But I guess when you need to make money, you you do whatever you can to try and you know do what you can to recoup some of it. And yeah. I don't know how successful that venture it's, will be. I don't think it's, it's going to be, but it's the gig economy, man. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.